inspire. Welcome back to Started Now. I'm your host, Jeff Saris. This is the show where I talk to entrepreneurs and creatives of all types to reveal the unexpected paths to where they are today. Today, my guest is Ashley, better known as Mama Bucks, and we talk about the Aerolore NFT project. Um, but we dive into everything, Ashley's entire story, and everything that she's gone through to get to where she is today, and how Aerolore is the um, sort of compendium of everything that she's done in her life and all the things that she's um, experienced. It's it's a wonderful conversation. And Ashley has a great perspective on bringing mindfulness to NFTs into Web3 that I think you're really going to like. And this is my first episode back. I'm so excited to have the show rolling again. Thanks to everyone who's who's tuning in, who stuck around because I had that little hiatus. But I have a new setup right now, and over here on my right, I have Amara, my girlfriend, producing. So there was a great convo, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, like I was really happy with it, and I'm so excited to have you here. It makes producing the show so much easier because I don't have to do all the post-production. So I just wanted to say thank you, and it is at Amara Andrew if you want to find her anywhere, bioamara.com. But anyway, thanks again for doing this. And without further ado, let's dive right into my conversation with Ashley, aka Mama Bucks. The phrase, wild hearts can't be broken. Does that have a specific meaning to you? It does. So I was curious, the meaning. I know. Tattoo of it right there. So interestingly enough, um, a movie came out in 1991, a Disney movie called Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. And it is a highly fictionalized tale of Sonora Webster Carver, who used to dive horses off the steel pier in Atlantic City. And in that movie, she is so determined, like she knows what she wants. She knows she's going to do it. And one of my favorite parts of that movie is he's like, you need to leave. And so she wraps her feet around the insides of the chair. So he has to carry the chair out to move her. And this has always been one of my favorite movies. She ends up going blind on impact from keeping her eyes opened on a dive. And she continues to dive these horses. She uses the sounds of their hooves on the ground to know when to board the horse at the top of the pier. And even though the story is very fictionalized, just that kind of guts and that determination of this is my passion, this is my fire and nothing's going to stop me. Later, we found out from her sister that it was more like we have nothing else. What else are we going to do? Like, we're going to have to figure this out (laughs) and less a, you know, let's do this. But we ended up naming our youngest daughter Sonora. After that movie, she is just as stubborn and fiery <laughs> as the one in the movie. And we we set our first series and storytelling for the business that we're running in 1920s Atlantic City uh-huh. because of that movie. That's funny. So I didn't realize <laughs> that it was that closely connected with uh, Aerolore. That's very cool. I like that. <laughs> so it was is. that a tattoo you got yeah. early on? Was that the first? I know you have one a piece on your arm as well, I think, right? No, you don't. Yeah, uh, you know my tattoos. Oh. My tat. Oh, I do. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. My tattoo yeah. journey on this is is kind of a. Uh, this was my last tattoo, my third tattoo. But I actually, after the the birth of Sonora, had postpartum psychosis, and it was very bad. At that point, I was a public school teacher. I have been a professional actor since I was 15. So having tattoos, like I just wouldn't have done. I was a fifth grade teacher. I'm on stage. I don't want to cover them. But during the psychosis, I wasn't me. I mean, people describe me as having no light behind my eyes. And one day I was like, I'm going to get a tattoo. And literally called every place. Nobody could see me. They're like, yeah, we book weeks in advance. This one place says, yeah, we can get you in. They did a horrible job. And when I came home and showed my husband, he was like, that is a terrible tattoo. (laughs) You have to get this covered. So weeks later, I went and had somebody cover it for me. And then seeing it just reminded me of the psychosis and like how sick I was. So I tried to remove it at home, which we won't go into. (laughs) And then I ended up having to get another one put over that. And so this has just been 
this tattoo now has is nine years old, has been through a progress a progression. And so I forget that it's there most of the time, but it is a pain in the butt to cover for shows. And honestly, at this stage, I would love to have it removed because it just reminds me of who I was at that time. And that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. So I would love to one day be able to either lighten that or get something different. But, you know, wild hearts can't be broken. I have both my daughter's names on my shoulders back here. Those ones are with me for life. This one... I'm, I'm ready to move on from that part of my journey. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It totally yeah. makes sense because that I can only imagine, I can barely imagine how that would have been to uh, experience all of that. Like how long was that period of time in your life? So I ended up having a peri prenatal. So during the pregnancy is when the psychosis began and it lasted two and a half years. And at that stage, I was hospitalized three times. So I was in a psychiatric unit. And the first time I checked myself in because I, I just knew I wasn't okay. I was scared to be left with my children alone. And so I checked myself in and I checked myself in the other times as well, but that was just like my decision of knowing I wasn't okay. And by the time we are hitting a year, a year and a half, two years, all the doctors are saying psychotic breaks, these like mental splits, they typically only last a few weeks. The longer this continues, the less likely you, you know, she is going to ever come back. So once we hit that two year mark, they basically were like, do we want to just keep her hospitalized? Is it okay to send her home? We don't know if she'll ever come back. And thankfully, I went to Sedona, Arizona. Amazing, amazing place with my cousin who was going through a divorce with a celebrity. Not fun. And so we went there for healing. And on the way home, I had just heard in my mind, and I'm I'm intuitive. I've been intuitive my entire life, but I just heard, find the blessing in your struggle and you will heal your life. And so I opened this journal and I started writing down everything. Like I had to quit my teaching job. I, you know, couldn't pay bills anymore. We had to take out a loan to pay our taxes that year. Like I'm writing down all of these horrible things. And at the end of it, I went, I got to quit my job. I got a break. I didn't have to take care of anyone. I didn't have to take care of my kids. I didn't have to take care of my house. I didn't have to take care of myself. I didn't have to cook. I didn't, I got a break. And the moment that I realized how long I needed a break, it hit me that I needed to give that to myself. And so I began healing after that. And my doctor, who had been seeing me for years and years, finally, as months and months go on and I'm getting off of my medications and I'm doing well, he said, people don't recover, number one, from bipolar, which he had diagnosed me with first. And then the length of your psychosis, like there is no recovery from that. So we either misdiagnosed you or we're going to call this a miracle. And so it has been since 2015 that I've been recovered and episode free. Mm -hmm. And that's since being diagnosed at 13 with depression. So I am very grateful. Everything that I personally believe, everything we go through is to help us grow and to learn and to evolve and to really understand who we are before coping mechanisms and learned behaviors and trauma responses. And it has given me the ability to really know myself and no longer settle for anything that isn't me. And so I'm very grateful for that journey. Although I think my family would have wished we didn't go through it. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm so happy. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much value at the same time and so much pain and struggle and just everything together isn't easy, but it was all important. Absolutely. Yeah. So who would you say Ashley was at that moment? Sort of 2015, the the new oh. the new sort of refresh of of you, like being being maybe the more authentic you possibly. Yeah, I, you know, I think that journey has continued. Mm-hmm. I don't think who I was in 2015 was who I am now. Absolutely. But it was definitely somebody who realized I could no longer 
just go with the flow. You know, at that point, I had gone to college to become a teacher. I was going to be a teacher. And I knew in my heart, I loved kids. I love teaching. I'm good at teaching. But in the back of my mind, I was like, but there's so many other things. And that's, I would call myself now a cosmic uh, chameleon. I had spent my entire life being made to feel and believe that I was flighty and noncommittal because I was good at this and I was good at that and I want to do this, but I want to do that. And then I have my, my dad who's like, oh, we paid for you to go to college to become a teacher. You're going to be a teacher. You're going to be a teacher the day you die. And I'm like, but, but there's so many other things. <laughs> and so when I came back, when I say when I woke up, I just couldn't, it was too painful to live out of alignment with who I really was and what I wanted to do. And I struggle, you know, there are moments when if I feel like I'm struggling with my body, with my health, with my mental health, I know that that's because something's out of alignment. There's a mismatch somewhere. So I'm much more aware, much more self-aware. That's, oh, that's kind of like my best quality now is my self-awareness and knowing what I'm feeling and why and how to get out of it. And so now I give myself permission to follow that, that full pulse and that flow that I feel to move to things because I always know that there's something in it for me to learn and to grow and then to pass on to other people. So much more accepting of myself, much more aware of myself, and much more willing to let myself move however I need to move to show up the best way I can. Yeah. I mean, that's so important because we have to be us. We can fit into these boxes. We can find, follow this path that we think we're supposed to follow, but being able to, to be you and find that balance is so valuable just in the end. Cause this is, we're only here for a brief period of time. And when it comes to balance specifically for you now, um, like I know, like you've, you've done various things. You, you had Norabel wellness channeling, the, channeling the sireness, yeah. like different things that I know come back to wellness. What's your practice looking like around now to find that balance when you feel sort of, uh, just a little bit, maybe out of whack or, or even a daily practice just to remain in balance. Sure. So I don't, believe in balance. <laughs> I do because it's so important. But I don't think you know, if you think of a teeter totter, mm -hmm. that's like 50 50. And that's not me. And I don't think that's anybody when I do something I'm 100% in it, which means everything else gets nothing. But then what happens is when I'm done with that, then my 100% goes over here. And so it's kind of the balance at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month rather than the balance in the moment mm -hmm. because I can't half-ass anything. I remember being in physical therapy a couple years ago and my, my physical therapist was like, I want you to do 10 reps of this. And I got to three and I was like, she's like, all right, that's enough. And I was like, no, you said 10. She's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Like you need to stop. She's like, man, are you all or nothing? You need to let that go. But for me, balance is making sure I'm listening to myself. And so that's giving myself enough time. For me, that's alone time because I get very overwhelmed by noise and stimuli and all of that. So quiet time every day to make sure that I'm listening to my body, to my mind, everything that's going on. But I try to be active every day. Uh, it's a little bit different now that my kids are in school trying to find that because normally I wake up and I go for a walk or a hike. Now I have bus shifts. <laughs> but, you know, doing physical exercise as well as trying to eat healthy, lots of water. And really, I, I keep my phone notifications off. I know that's like weird, but especially as an NFT brand founder, I don't keep my notifications on because otherwise I'm going to be checking constantly. And so that's one of those boundaries that I set of, nope, Twitter notifications are off. And, you know, I will close down Discord at eight o'clock at night so that I have two hours before bed to just be me. And that's the most important thing is just finding that time to listen to what I need. Mm -hmm. And that, that part of that is that physical element and 
the other is that those moments of silence. <laughs> yeah, finding mindfulness, like finding that uh, the path to your own mindfulness of your life is a journey in itself. It's not so easy just to have the notifications off and to find find comfort in silence. Like so many of us struggle being in silence where we need something going on. There has to be, there has to be something more. Did, did you find any sort of journey to get there or was it always at your core and something you could just sort of tap into that, that uh, seeking peace in silence? I think so. I'm, I'm an introvert in the form of to recharge. I need quiet and alone time. I'm also what they call HSP, which is highly sensitive person. So I have, I have sensory stimuli, which is sounds, sights, touches, like certain fabrics I don't enjoy. <laughs> and so for me, I've always needed that, like everything needs to be turned off. If I'm in the car by myself, there's no radio on. <laughs> like I swear people are going to think I'm a psycho killer or something no, not- because of that. But like, I need silence. Uh-huh. I just need that that moment. Um, so that part's fine. I actually see it as a sign of misalignment for me when I want to grab my phone. Like when I'm sitting here and all of a sudden I'm like, what should I do? What should I do? Let me let me get on my phone. That's a sign for me of like, ooh, are we avoiding something? Is this becoming habitual? Step back, take that second and find out what's really going on here. What are you seeking and picking up that phone? Yeah, seeking or escaping, as you as you just said. And um, I I don't think anyone's going to think it's wild to be in the car in silence. <laughs> I hope not because that's exactly me. <laughs> like you. our house <laughs> is dead silent all day. Yesterday there were tree trimmers coming out, all this noise outside. It's like, wow, this is so different than how it is on a daily basis, but having having that peace having that ability to sort of center and focus and do the things that help us come alive that we want to uh devote our life to doing i think is everything it's like we're here to do if we want to do something with our life we need to do it not just talk about it think about it dream about it we need to go and run and and get going and i love that you you do that like that is something that like i could see finding the little threads because it was, it was a little hard to find some of the uh, little past things of yours because, like, those are the past. <laughs> but I like to find as much as I can. So, like, I found your YouTube channel, found the, found yeah. the different things that you've been in. I saw you were in Veep in the in the background of a Veep yeah. episode, like all different things, which is awesome. But I also like that you're able to be like, this is who I am now. I am all in. That was before, and I not that it changes, not that you lose that. But nope. you are now in this new space where you can take all of that, all of these experiences, wrap them up and put them into Aralore, which I know like everything that you've talked about that, <laughs> like it, it really feels like it scratches a bunch of those itches from year after year of your personal growth. So I sort of wanted to dive into, into that a little bit now and like how you got to uh, founding a project. And first, I know Aralore. I'm saying it correctly now. I hope you are good. Yeah, because I know at first it's it's having the little uh, extra extra markers on there does yeah. did throw me off for a bit. But the first time I heard you, I'm like, okay, Errol, I got it now. <laughs> but but yeah, Do you know, it's so funny because you I know you're a marketing and branding person and I studied marketing and branding because I had my own businesses and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And I'm like, number one rule of a business, name it something easy to say and pronounce and read. <laughs> what did we do? We didn't do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, pick pick one niche. What are we doing picking for like let's but in when it comes down to it you know you you really did hit the nail on the head in that i was thinking about this earlier actually i have a lot of friends in the acting space who will say you know if i weren't acting what else would i do there's nothing else this is who i am this is what i want and i've never had that as much as i love acting like i was 16 professional theater. My high school choir teacher literally was like, drop out of high school and go to Broadway. Like, go now. And I'm like, why? I don't want this to become my life. Like, I want this to continue to be my passion and my escape at that time and all of that. And so I still have friends who are like, nope, I'm an actor till the day that I die. And for me, I'm like, 
If that went away, and side note, it has for at least temporarily, because I have an esophageal condition that makes it difficult to sing and, and do prolonged speaking. And so for now, I'm on a sabbatical from the stage, but that didn't turn my world upside down because there's so much in this world that I'm good at, that I love. There's more that I want to explore. I didn't know two years ago what an NFT was. Uh (laughs) I had no idea that this was going to come into my life. But that's one of the things that I do love about this space is that I can take every little morsel of who I am, who I've been, and who I've becoming, and I can put it all together and make something completely new. And it all works. And that's something I love seeing in this space is somebody going, I like this and I like this and I like this. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Where else can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And especially with the time right now, because everything is so early. So the space yeah. is so young. So we're all defining what it is. And you have the bigger right. projects who defined it in a certain way and a bunch of projects who followed that exact path. But carving out your own is that's where all the value lies. Like that is what this is about. This is blogging 12, 15, whatever years ago, then social media all those years ago. Now this is the next one. And we need to find the thing that's uniquely ours because if we're bringing something to the table, why should it not? There's no reason that it shouldn't be something that really speaks to us. Absolutely. And that's, that's been one of my biggest struggles. And I won't say struggle because so for me, little, little golden nugget, I like to (laughs) do these, especially this is my, especially when I had like channeling the sireness and Uh angel eyes and monkey toes, those were all the names of my spiritual like mentoring companies that I was sorry, one more time. What was that one? Angel eyes and monkey toes. I did not see that one. I, monkey toes is just fun. I like that. That one is from 2010. Again, there's this progression of like, I'm changing, so I'm going to change the business name. Like, yeah. And that was, I'm writing I had that a baby, down. <laughs> go for it. I had a baby and I want to work with kids. And then I left teaching and I didn't want to work with kids anymore. And so it progressed to adults and the channeling the sireness. I am the sireness, the siren of the voice. And then mm-hmm. S as in goddess. But mm-hmm. um, I would say, you know, here's the golden nugget. And of course, I forgot what we were talking about. So it might not be that golden of a nugget. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what what so, were we talking about? Yeah, really bringing ourselves to the table, oh. bringing something unique to the table in Web3 and NFTs yes. and everything. I got it. So <laughs> I said that I was struggling with this. So here's the golden nugget. Anytime we say that we're struggling with something, we have to replace that word with resisting. So if I am struggling to lose weight, I'm resisting to lose weight. Why? Because having weight is an emotional barrier between me and this situation? Is it a physical, it's a physical barrier between me and this situation, that sort of thing. So not truly struggling, but it did frustrate me quite a bit when I would see all of these amazing creators bringing their passion and their fire to something. And then people would come in and be like, well, why aren't you doing it like this? Why aren't you, why don't you do it like this? And for me, I'm sitting here having gone through this big, massive change in who I am because of the psychosis that I went through and realizing that every single person, our entire purpose in being here is being who we are. Every gift that you have, every talent that you have, every whim that you want to follow is there for a reason. If it wasn't supposed to be followed, it would have been given to somebody else. And so all of that energy and i always describe it as kind of like a a pulsating river inside of you it's just it's warm and it moves you can feel it inside of you moving it's because it wants to come out and so in this space we have to follow that and when you dampen it because people want staking or they want pets or they you know whatever you're not going to get that full potential and i always kind of like to think of it as a gift with your name on it. Here's this gift. It's for you when you are 100% true to yourself. Oops, I hit my mic. (laughs) True to yourself. And so if you're being 80% true to yourself, you're only going to get 80% of that gift. And so you have to really just let it all 
out. And I know that that might not be what people want, but the people that appreciate what you're bringing are going to find you and your like attracts like. And that's what we're doing with Airlore. Like we're not trying to use hype or FOMO or influences or anything like that. We want to have these types of conversations. I always say it's one-on-one, eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart. And if we can grow one person at a time because we had a heart-to-heart conversation and because you feel seen and you can feel what we're building, then you're the person who's meant to be on this journey with us. And that's it. If you can't take one minute to connect, then you're not ready for this. And that's okay. But that's... That is what we're doing with Aralore. We are combining all of those pieces of who I am and who my husband is as my co-founder and our family because our girls are going to be raised with Aralore in their lives. And we're making sure that that it's heartfelt and it's meaningful and it's intentional. And that is the word that is most important to me is intention because everything that I do, I try every day in my real life to do everything with intention, but with Aralore, every single step is intentional. That's so important across the board. And intention in this space now is very uncommon, as as we both know. I mean, there's so much just more and more and more. The FOMO, the trying to get people to to just panic buy, and then uh, if they're trying to flip, then panic sell and all the different things. Mm-hmm. But why can't there be a brand? Why can't there be something that's a long-term experiential just moment in someone's life? Sort of like something that I've talked about with Jack a lot is making that future nostalgia. And I think that that's really important because like you want to, you want to create that thing that today people love it next year, the year after, but then down the line, 10 years, 15 years, you're like, remember that time? Remember the beginning when it was just the six of us? than the 12 of us, than the 100 of us. And just feeling that and thinking back to that, like there's power there. And you see all these brands coming back right now because of Web3 and using it because there's nostalgia, good or bad, that they can tap into, but going going for that good, powerful, like visceral feeling is I think the perfect move and exactly what uh, what the space needs. Thank you. And it's funny because nostalgia is one of the words I use almost every day, because if you haven't, I know you've seen probably some of our characters, but like our first series is set in the 1920s. And so we have these 1920s costumes and the colors are muted. We're doing a radio hour show. I just finished right before we were recording. I created a jingle for the intro. And so it's me on sound on GarageBand, uh-huh. like harmonizing with myself to nice. create a little jingle. And it's this night, like it's more 1940s than 20s, but it's like this 40s jazz radio jingle that I created. And that's one of those things we're trying to tap into. And I'm going to remove the word trying, trying and should. Those yeah. are those are bad words. <laughs> <laughs> but trying, yeah, just means uh, I'll give it a best shot, but I'm not committed to it. But that's not it. We are providing nostalgia for eras gone by. And I think along what you are talking about is almost this timelessness and really underneath that is connection. And that's so huge Mm -hmm. because when we feel connected to art, to story, to each other, we have a reason to hold on and to show up and to keep caring. And that's what so many projects and founders are missing is either one, it doesn't feel like they care about their community. One of my biggest pet peeves is these brands that come out and say, oh, we love our community, but they don't follow them. Like, follow your holders. If you care about them, retweet them, talk to them, you know, at least give them a follow, help them boost their algorithm. You can't say you care about your community if you don't follow them. Um, But that connection in this time and this space is really lacking because people come in with an intention and right now most of it is to make a quick profit mm-hmm. and that is a that is a challenge for 
brands like ours where we're here for long term and we're going to grow over time we are actually really just marketing to about five percent and the rest of the 95 percent don't care but the people who do care care because of that connection and that's what's going to continue to provide growth and meaningfulness meaningfulness is that a word yeah <laughs> uh-huh yeah that's good yeah okay uh, yeah <laughs> I just want to ask about the radio hour real quick. What is that going to look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we just actually on the 10th and 11th of August had seven professional actors come into town and we recorded a recording studio. So award-winning playwright DC Cathro, he wrote the book of Merman about (laughs) Ethel Merman. It's a parody of the book of Mormon. Um, But he also wrote a, a really wonderful show called Till about Emmett Till and has hundreds of other scripts, but he wrote this as a serial audio drama. So serial to mean short episodes. So we have a total of, I believe, 23 scenes that we are putting together into 11 episodes, which will range about 15 minutes long. And so every week we'll drop a new episode that chronicles our seven characters from our first series. And so right now, you know, we're doing this fun little jingle intro. We have Uh, public domain 20 songs as transitions. And I'm actually working with our holdership to record really quick ads to go in since it's a radio (laughs) hour show. And so it will be little things which have Easter eggs either into our stories, our characters, our community, or the ETH space. Like we just had one of our members write one about a chocolate bar and he called it Vitalik instead of Vitalik. (laughs) But it's you know, and so like, there's just like these little Easter eggs dropped uh-huh. in. And so bringing our community in to get to be a part of that, but really trying to embrace kind of that, you can put your phone down and just listen for 15 minutes, just bring your attention to these voices, to this story. You can do it with your family. Like it is a family drama. Yes, it's mm-hmm. prohibition. There's some shadiness, yeah. but I'll let my 11 and eight year old listen to it for sure. <laughs> yeah. And how did you connect then with the playwright? Is that through your experience in the past? Is it someone in the space? How did that come about? Yeah. So he is uh, an old friend. We actually met in 2009. We've done several shows together. He's an actor as well, but then he branched into playwriting. Nice. So when we decided we were going to do this, First, I was like, let's do 1920s. And the reason more so than Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken was in 2006, I actually wrote a musical called Notes from the Cellar that are these seven characters. And when we traded in our flip phones for iPhones, (laughs) all of the music I had recorded with my voice on that phone went away. Oh, no. So when we moved to our house in 2016, I found the script that I'd written, but I was like, the music's gone. This is worthless. And I threw it away. So I was like, okay, we're going to bring these characters back to life. I at least know the whole story arc and I'll just find somebody who can write it. And I said, it's got to be DC. I know him. We're friends. I asked him. He said, this was totally up my alley. And he said, yes. Now, He said it was a challenge, however, because he's used to writing for the stage. So you have sets and costumes and person crosses stage right, wipes a tear from her face. You know, you don't get to see any of that. And so writing it in a way that you understand people are coming in, they're exiting. We have sound effects. You can hear footsteps. You can hear windows opening, you know, all of that sort of thing. But also making sure we're addressing who we're talking to and hey, Paul, what are you doing with that box? We're on stage. You would have seen him lifting (laughs) up a box. So it's been a a very interesting challenge, but it's also been a lot of fun. And I'm I'm really grateful as a stage actor to have had the opportunity to step into the director and producer part and sit at the table with the sound producer and sound engineer and just listen and get to shape it in that moment. It was a really... I mean, I would almost say it was a life-changing moment for me because especially with the health struggle that I've been having with not being able to be on stage, it was that moment of going, I can now continue this creativity and bringing characters to life in this way. Yeah. And that was life-affirming. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's 
it's just finding another another door, another path yeah. that you can take along your journey that fits who you are right now and what you're what you're inclined and compelled to do within the constraints that are inevitable for all of us. We all have our own set of constraints and yeah, this all, it sounds perfect. Just having it set up like this. I like it. It is. I, I have to tell a funny side stories. And mm-hmm. I apologize. I'm, I'm just that person. No, this is perfect. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I actually, it was right before we recorded for the, for Johnny's song, our radio hour. Mm-hmm. I received several emails from past business clients of mine that apparently a rumor was going around that I had died. Oh, geez. And so they all came in like minutes from each other. <laughs> like, please tell us you're alive. I need to know you're okay. Well, part of that is because like you found when I'm done with something, I'm done with something. So like <laughs> I've closed down the website of my old business and I've, you know, removed my Etsy store and like have just kind of washed myself of mm-hmm. that because I've moved on. And so once they knew I was okay, I did receive an email back from one of them who had said, you continue to be an inspiration, even though you're not here because of how easily you make it seem like life through this to me, I'll pivot. I'll just move on and I'll do something else. I'll figure out a new way to get this light and this energy and this flow to the world. And as you said that, I just, it kind of clicked for me of like, yeah, I do kind of do that. You know, it's just like, okay, this is, this is gone. This is over. Okay. Where are we moving next? How can we shift and adapt and create something new? Yeah. Yeah. Pivoting and adjusting is so important for ourselves and for any business, because that is what it comes down to is the market today isn't the market tomorrow. And you have to love what you're doing. And if like, if you don't love it, like you said, with other, with founders, they could do something for the quick buck, but if they don't love it, if they're not there and saying like, this is how I want to spend my time. I want to be building this in the image I have today, but tomorrow that image might change and I'm okay with that. It's such an important uh, trait or maybe skill to develop because yeah, everything changes. I mean, we can look at the just the market of NFTs since last year. I mean, you could have dropped almost anything and sold out in hours. Now you can drop almost anything and not sell out in months. And it's just, it's a different market and it's important to, uh, yeah, to adjust accordingly for what works for us. So doing, doing this in the way that you are, it's expensive. It's it's an upfront <laughs> yes. uh, expensive endeavor that like a lot of a lot of people don't do it that way. They'll do it where it's like okay, we'll do the PFP project, raise a bunch of money, then promise. Like I don't know. I always love the like under promise over deliver kind of approach. You know, yeah. just because yeah. there's so much talk and so little action. Just generally, just in people, it's just how it's how we're wired. It's it feels good. Like as soon as you talk about it, you get that little dopamine as though you did it. But we yeah. didn't. We just told people we're going to. Now you have to put all the work in to do it. And that, there's a, a huge difference, a huge chasm between the two. So going in with such ambitious goals and starting there with those ambitious goals, how have you approached uh, funding it? And sort of like, do you have a family to take care of? And I know it's you and your husband. I'm not sure exactly the the scenario there. But yeah, how have you approached it? And how have you um, maybe... I feel like budgeted is too uh, too lame of <laughs> no. a, a, a way to look at it. But yeah, how have you sort of wrapped that up so you know you can do the things that you want to? So we sat down and really wanted to look at the runway. You know, mm-hmm. how much could we afford to put up front? And we sold a board Ape <laughs> uh-huh. before we launched. And we used... Part of that to say, we're going to put this to the side. Of course, when we planned Aralore, we were actually, it was in February. We had started creating a project in November and real quick. So I was asked to step in temporarily as a project manager for another project and came up with a big, beautiful roadmap. The founder loved it. And then the day before we dropped it, she said she didn't want to do it anymore. And the project or the roadmap, the roadmap, which I had been pushing and selling and showing my face and voice for weeks. Uh Yeah, that's how we initially connected was over that. Right. Uh Well, so one of the things we were doing is a podcast audio actor driven storytelling. Mm -hmm. 
And so when she told me that she wasn't interested in moving forward with that anymore, and I do understand, like I'm not trying to throw her under the bus or anything, but she wouldn't have been able after I left to continue that. And so I said to her, I will create a sister project that will be for storytelling. And at the time I thought, okay, I will, I'll do storytelling for any project. Like any project can come to me and I'll work with my field of actors and writers and we'll put on productions for them. And mm -hmm. I was fine with that. And then I sat there and I went, but what about me and my husband's project? You know, what about that? Is that ever going to happen if I start this project? And so we sat there in February, we said, how can we meld them together? And so our initial project was based on travel and experiences and events. And then of course the sister project was storytelling. <laughs> and so we were like, all right, how are we going to bring these together? But when we were sitting there in February, we had decided you know, are we going to do that traditional roadmap of at 10% we've funded enough to do this? No, because we'd really like to hit the ground running. Like we, we don't want to say, oh, well, we only ever raised 10%. So we never reached our goals. So now we're just sitting here and waiting for more mints. Let's just upfront cost, you know, figure this out. We'll pay. And we decided we would pay for the first year. And so what is that for us? It's three series, series one, series two, and series three, which involves our team, the events. Now we're not paying for like everyone to go the, to the Dominican Republic <laughs> yeah. in February, but we are hosting an event at, at a resort in the Dominican Republic. And we are actually going to be paying for one of our founder or our, yeah, one of our founder circle holders and one of our generative holders we will pay for them like as a raffle mm -hmm. but you know for us I we were really careful about the words that we use because words do have energy and number one we try not to use the word project because we are a registered business we are fully doxxed to us we are a brand we are a business but more so than anything we're actually an experience like I hope that when you come to Airlore you are experiencing nostalgia and connection and you are creating memories but we will often say behind closed door that this is a passion project because this is something that we get to do together we love traveling so what are we doing we're hosting traveling and events storytelling I've been on stage for 30 years. He's been coming to see me in shows for 19. <laughs> so, you know, like this is a big part of who we are. And then community building is who we've always been for as long as we can remember as individuals and as a couple. And so for us, this is a way for he and I to connect, for our family to connect and to be putting our energy and our time in the same direction, which is really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. for partnerships and couples. And so we had just said, we will, we will fund this. And in a year we'll see, because it's not that we're saying, oh, we'll close it down. We'll just say, we'll have to decide and we'll talk with our holdership. Do we love the stories, but nobody's coming to the events or do we love the events and nobody's listening to the stories? Can we pivot? Can we readjust to make this fit our holders? fit where we are in life, fit our finances to make sure that we can move forward and continue that experience mm -hmm. for us and everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah. Building together because the community, the people who, who've collected, um, I always, I hate saying investors because people always say like the investors in a project and this and that, but that's too, uh, that's that flip mentality. And like, I see it as yeah. like collectors and it's a community that you're building and, why not have the community dictate in a, in their own way sort of what they like, what they don't like? Because we can just sort of keep throwing things and be like, well, yeah. I want this. But like you said, if you do an event and no one's there, okay, like we can still travel. We don't need to do that event with the big community, <laughs> right. you know? <laughs> right, um, exactly. But yeah, it's so important. So important to have that flexibility too, to be able to adjust. And doing the three series throughout the year then I like that because it has, at least for the first year, there is a revenue model, a revenue generating model that stretches. It isn't just yes. one mint. Something that scares me with 
so many projects. Like, like what I do is I work behind the scenes with people to help them build a business and grow and make a sustainable business, a profitable, sustainable business that doesn't take all their time. It's mindful and everything. But it scares me seeing so many projects that are so well-meaning. And they're like, we're going to do this. And then forever we're doing these things. And I'm like, forever costs money. Like, how do you get there? What's the next step? Because that first mint is only the first mint. You need, you're not going to have secondary sales making a bunch. You're not going to have all these things that people uh, maybe just dream for, dream about. Um, So having having that runway, having that lined up is really good. Do you... Right now, or actually, no, I want to rewind just for a second, because you do have a team. How have you approached uh, sort of those relationships? Because every project seems to do it a little differently, where it's like, um, it could be percentage of mint, it could be a a monthly thing. Um, How are you doing that? So every person is a little bit different. Our Mm -hmm. artist, who is, she's one of my favorite human beings ever. And I'm like, watch, we're going to meet each other and hate each other. But (laughs) online, we we love each other. Um, So she goes by What's Her Face. She's in Spain. She's so talented. And we, when we originally approached her, we said, we want you to be full time. And she's like, no, nope, I will not be full time. And we were like, oh, okay. So we started trying to find other people. And so then we had to approach her and say like, when we mean full time, we don't mean that you don't have time for anything else. We just mean we want to pay you monthly. Like we don't want to say, oh, you did a job for us. Here's a lump sum. We want to make sure that your bills are met every single month. She said, nobody does that. She's like, are you scamming me? I'm like, (laughs) no, (laughs) like we really do want to take care of you. And so we pay her a monthly fee. Um, We also gave her a startup fee to kind of boost her getting started. Um, Our devs are both wonderful and (laughs) both agreed very graciously to have a friends and family discount for us. So we Mm -hmm. had a like upfront fee for our devs. And then our community manager is kind of like a we don't have anything like set in stone. Like when we pay other people, we, we send a little that way because our community is number one, very small at this point. But number two, we are so casual. We, I hate discord. (laughs) I hate it. And so like at eight o'clock, I put up a bedtime message (laughs) and we close our discord on Sundays and Mondays and we call it our balance break and we put it on read only we never want to take away from anybody's life like that is that is so important we never want to interrupt their day i hate pinging people i try to ping twice a week tuesday when we reopen discord and friday we do a big long announcement of everything behind the scenes that happened that week so they transparency and communication but um so that our community right now is just kind of like we're here if you need us, but please go live your life. Like we want you to have memories and experiences and adventures. That's more important to us than you being in our discord. Um, so that's how our fee structure works. We originally, when we were going to mint out a thousand pieces, <laughs> they were also going to get a percentage of the mint. Yeah. But then as we got closer, the market happened and all of that we decided to kind of change the structure a bit of our mint we gave our founders circle they were originally supposed to pay for a mint we gave it to them for free for joining us and then they got to gift a free nft and so we ended up having about 50 people with free nfts and then other people who kind of meandered in and so we knew that number one We were likely not going to mint out, especially not immediately, Mm -hmm. nor did we want to, because that if you mint out, that normally means people are coming in to flip. We want people to slowly come in because they've taken time to know us. But we also knew that that first boost of revenue was going to be mostly free mints. (laughs) And so we, we said to them, like, look, we want to give you a percentage of mint every time. But for this one, it's not going to be substantial. So we'll send you. Uh, just kind of a lump fee a little bit in once we've accumulated some. So that is a really big thing for us. We want to make sure our team feels taken care of and appreciated. We also um, pay, we're paying for their Dominican Republic trip. And so we're doing things like that because even though the funds might not be there right the second, you know, four days into mint, yeah, <laughs> we, we can say, hey, we're going to take care of your your 
stay at our event. And that way you're here with us because that's more important to us than anything is, is having this time with you. So we have little, little things like that. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's perfect. Yeah. And I like also, I like how you have that structured because it's, it's tough. There's no right answer. Like we all have to figure out what works for us and the people we're working with because mm-hmm. in, at the end of the day, you need to be able to afford the things that you're doing within the project, but also everyone else needs to afford the time they're giving to the project. So it's, right. it's always it's always a tough line to sort of uh, straddle. And now I love the Discord approach because like I too, I'm not a big Discord fan. I like, like it took me a while, like initially, like last summer, I was like, this is too much. I cannot do this at all. And then I realized, okay, I told myself this is a party. I can open the door, say hello, close the door and walk away. Like, and as, when I started looking at it like that, like I don't need to keep tabs on everything. I can just, I can step in see what's going on, say hi. Like that's sort of the approach I've taken so far. And it it works for me, but also I know like that means I'm not present most of the time. How are you looking at, uh, let's say, keeping the community engaged? Not in a, I feel like saying it that way sounds uh, manipulative, but keeping it where, like you sort of alluded alluded to it before, making sure the community like cares, like that you're giving them the thing to care about. How are you looking at that right now? It's very interesting. Um, We have people who come in every day, no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Like we just have those people who are going to come in and they're going to say hi and, and all of that. One of the interesting things about where we are right now is we did our founder circle mint, which is 0.25. And that is a, a rewards membership. So they get half price generative mints, they get to build their own NFT. So they can pick, I want this, I want that, I'm gonna build my own. They get discounted merch, they get first access to all of our trips and events, you know, so they have all of these rewards. 80% of our founders are actually founders of other projects. And so they're not around much. And it was that moment I had to step back and I went, okay, I'm not hanging out in their discords, so they I can't expect them to be hanging out in mine. Mm-hmm. But it's also this beautiful moment of, you want to go to the doctor that the doctors go to, right? Like if a doctor is sick and they're going to a doctor, that's probably the best one there is. So the fact that so many founders have come into our project makes me like, okay, this is a good sign. Like they, they see what we're bringing to the table. They like what we're putting on the table and that's beautiful. So I will never pester them about coming in. (laughs) In terms of engagement, I am very much against, and it wasn't always this way, but I was, when I was trying to revive a dead project, We were doing things like you can come in and gamble discord coins every hour and you can turn them in for airdrops and you can turn them in for prizes and every time you retweet one of our tweets you earn more points and like i was trying to get engagement and it worked it did we went from a zero floor to a 0.06 floor in the two months i was there it worked we rebuilt them but then with this i realized i love what i'm doing but I also have two little girls that need me. I have a husband who needs me. We have trips, we have a home, we have all of these things. And so if I'm going to devote years of my life to this, it has to be in a balanced way. And so if I want balance, I need to give my community balance. So we aren't doing anything like that. And we initially wanted to do trivia nights and poker nights and all of that, but that's demanding people's time. And so for me, in terms of engagement, there's really nothing actively that we're attempting other than every Tuesday we have our rise and reset spaces to get back into the week. And then every Sunday, my husband and I are in Discord for an hour of chat before we close it down. We will never reward people for coming to those because we'd rather them do what they need to do. So I, I don't have like a solid answer of in terms of engagement. It is truly actually giving people their time back and trying to give them reasons to log off 
Like we, we give them prompts on Thursdays for gratitude. We give them prompts on Wednesdays for workouts. Like how can we actually elevate your life and get you out of discord? Because we don't want you engaging here. We want you engaging there. I like it. I mean, it goes against everything every project does. <laughs> well, but that is the thing. You're carving your own path. You're taking it down the the path that there's there's someone AJ Leon who like I've I sort of know loosely from the space from entrepreneurship and stuff from way back in the day, but he had a a quote something along the lines of instead of following the the well worn path, grab a machete and hack down your own. And I always loved that because it's so it's so much easier for you to just say, okay, like sort of like what you were doing before. It wasn't easy, but the the plan is easy to say, we're going to do this. We're going to do poker night, this, 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 this. We're going to get people here. We're going to raise the floor. We're going to do this. But in the end, why? Like what's the, what's the reason for doing it? Is it just more money? Is it because you love it? Like taking that step back, I think is so important and you're, hacking down your own path. I think that's that's just wonderful. And I don't want to take too much of your time. I just wanted to touch on one more thing. You mentioned all the founders being in your uh, in your founders circle, the, the founders of other projects being in your founders circle. And that that speaks exactly to who you are because you're a connector and you yeah. you make these connections, these authentic one-on-one connections, which are so valuable, so important. One to many like I'm a behind the scenes person before bad fruit and kidney stone diet, which are two of our platforms. I, everything I do is behind the scenes, but that means I'm always one-to-one. Like I know founders more than I know uh, customers and like the market people. Mm -hmm. Um, But being that you're that connector, do you have any sort of tips for someone how to, how to start uh, or maybe how you approach connecting with someone and you've built this amazing network in a space that's new. I mean, because like all of us a year ago, none of us knew each other. This space, a little more than a year ago, this space didn't even exist yet. So sort of how have you approached uh, networking and like networking being the worst word to use, but just connection. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, I personally think that I am the worst at connecting. (laughs) I, in in person, I am so awkward. I because I'm an introvert, like I have to take that step back. Like I'm usually on the side of the room. And my husband, Big Bucks, he is just the kindest, most loving, most generous person you will ever meet. And so we've been together 19 years. I've never met in 19 years somebody who doesn't like this man. And So he is the reason I'm in this space and he's the reason why people started following me because he's like, hey, you know, Mama Bucks is here. I think I'm a bit different when it comes to this type of thing. I am a bit, we talk talk about this often. (laughs) He should be our partnership person. We're like, you're a partnership person. If, If you want to talk with me, I want you to put everything in one email. Like I'm that type of person that's like, Hey, Mama Bucks, I'm interested in a collab. Here's all the details. What do you think? Where he's like, no, you have to say, hey, how are you? Oh, how's your husband doing? And <laughs> oh, by the way, you know, what do you think about a collab? And I'm like, oh, good God. Like, no, like, I don't drag it out. I have uh-huh. things to do. So I think I probably come across a little bit more assertively. And You're I'm preaching probably... to the choir here because I am the best at closing email threads. Like... <laughs> I it's so funny because I'm like I don't know if I come off as like aggressive or like too eager or anything because there's people I've reached out to for collabs who like never respond but they'll talk to me in the comments of things Mm -hmm. and I'm like maybe I just want it too much or maybe it's just because I'm that type of person where it's like hey I'm interested in a collab here's the details what do you think when people really just want a hey how are you how's your life by the way are you interested? Uh-huh. I'm not that type of a person. Yeah. So, and that would be inauthentic. Intern- you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> right. be like, like, I don't, I'm not here to talk about that. Like we're here to talk <laughs> about this. And like, of course there's right. a giving side to it. You don't want to be just like, take, 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 like that's not right. at all. But right. I do think there's an importance to having a clear communication 
when that's something that's important to you because like I do so much support for our like we sell like digital products and things too. I do so much support. I don't want a response. Like like Joe sends me an email. I want to tick every single box. And by the end, the only response that's possible is thank you. Because I don't want right. that back and forth. I have hundreds of other people to respond to. So it's like you you learn that and build that up, but also sending kindness over. Because usually like people it's the strangest thing for us, but people apologize when they send me support. But also I'm very clear on our website. It's two of us. We're very mindful about our time. There's a three business day lead time for support response. Like we check email every third day. That's how it's been always. And when I say we, I'm the only one that does support. Dave, my business partner, is the designer. And it's like, it's just wild then to have someone be like, I'm so sorry. I know you're so busy, but I ran into this problem. Can you help whenever you have a chance? I'm like, you don't need to apologize, but thank you. Like that's this is very right. kind. And we build this rapport in one email, which I think that's what you end up doing in your way, not in my way, but in your way, you build that rapport <laughs> in that one contact where suddenly it's like, oh, who is Mama Bucks? Like this, there's, some, there's something here with this person that isn't just take. It isn't, will you please do this for me? Send. Right. And that's, I think that is, I know you had seen a post that I made the other day in our Discord, we opened an introducing me thing. And all of a sudden I wrote a book, which was <laughs> not my intention at all. But it was also the first time in a very long time and probably a year since I closed down my counseling business that I really just took the time to explain who I am and my mentality of life and, and what I'm here to do. And when I really kind of boil myself down at the recording studio, at home, one of my biggest dreams in life, I would love to open a retreat center or a resort. And I've wanted to do it for years. I used to want to do it for the spiritual community. Now I'd love to do it for the NFT community. Mm -hmm. And it's something we talk about weekly, about having a place in nature and being able to design that space. I've been drawing floor plans since I was a kid. I love decorating. But when we talk about space, you also have to talk about energetic space. And as a teacher, you hold educational space and energetic and emotional space for your students. As an actor, I'm actually holding the room for every person in that audience to experience what I'm experiencing. And I'm holding space for the actors beside me on stage to engage in that energy field. And even in the recording studio, as the director, I am creating a platform for these actors to reach their full potential. And I feel like I'm doing the same in the NFT space. And that is my goal is with our artist. I hope that I am always providing her with something that brings her joy to create with. And I'm giving her enough support and freedom to create in her own way and to bring these characters to life in her way. So who I am, I feel kind of intricately is I want to create space for people, whether that's physical, emotional, energetic. And so I really do, when I approach people and connecting, it's never about what you can do for me. It's how can I hold space for our energies to mingle? And what can we create when those energies mingle? If I can shine a light on you, that helps me because that that's who I am and that's what I want to do. And so you're absolutely right. Like I might be to the point in these creating these connections, but my intention in connecting is always to create a safe and supported space for people to thrive and grow and experience more. And that is the basis of Aralore. If you stripped away the storytelling and everything, I would still be here to make sure that the people in our community feel seen and supported and have a place to just be them, to just be. So that's that's everything that I am and that's everything that I put forward every day into Aralore and, and this space. And I keep saying, 
I'm going to keep planting those seeds because the more we plant them, the more they grow. And so we got to stop watering the weeds and keep <laughs> planting those seeds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that is the perfect note to wrap on because that yeah. just encapsulates everything. Thank you so much again for taking the time to have the chat. Absolutely. Where should we send people to uh, follow along with what you're doing with Aralore, the website, wherever? Aralore.io, so E-R-A-L-O-R, Aralore.io is our website, and that's where you can mint either a Founders Pass or a Series 1 token. That will also eventually list where we're streaming our Johnny Song Radio Hour show. And on Twitter, we are Aralore NFT, E-R-A-L-O-R NFT. I want to thank Ashley for joining me on this episode. Again, you can go to Aralor.io, that's E-R-A-L-O-R.io to check out everything uh, that they're doing with the project, which I just, I think this is a very special project and I'm very excited to see where things uh, go with it because focusing on mindfulness is just so unique in the space. We don't have that at all. But Amara, what do you think of the conversation? I thought it was great. <laughs> no. But yeah, it was really neat, like diving into uh, looking at it from a different perspective, wasn't it? Yeah, I had some questions of my own, so I was trying to not jump in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> would you have asked? to make this a dual sort of thing. Uh -huh. um, yeah, just a couple questions about historicity and things like that from a historical sort of perspective. Oh, yeah. Uh, and diversity and inclusivity, but that's just my own take. <laughs> well, yeah, you're just interested in all the historical side of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. How do you feel? How do you oh, feel? No. Be how do you feel? This is so weird. I'm looking at like three different things right now. <laughs> I can only multi I can't multitask. I can only single task. Um, but how do you feel being back with starting now and everything? Because this is your first episode back. Well, yeah, this really helps. So, I mean, having you here is huge. Um, switching to that camera now, it's like weird. <laughs> so do I go over there? <laughs> no, but. Like having you do this is such a huge help because now I don't have to worry about all the post-production. So I just wanted to, to thank you again. Well, thank you for having me. I'm a long-time <laughs> listener, first-time producer. <laughs> you silly. I've been waiting to say that for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think we should wrap right here. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, I hope you subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening now. And with that, I think we will just see you next time. Bye.